This is Gotham TV Podcast, Episode 73, looking at Gotham, Season 2, Episode 21, A Legion of Horribles. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Good morning, Gothamites. Uh, welcome to the Morning Orange Juice, uh, detectives. This is GTVP episode 73, and we are looking at a legion of horribles in the mirror this morning uh, as we are early to rise yes. um, to record our podcast on this episode 21 of Gotham, A Legion of Horribles. I am one of your Sandman hosts, John. (laughs) I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Or I am your other host, Derek. Uh, Yeah, it is the morning of the 7th of June, a day after the episode premiered on the UK uh, on Channel 5. And we're recording very early in the morning to try and fit this in before I fly over to London for the Channel 5 event showing the season finale of Gotham. Yeah, you're lucky, guess. I know, I know. I feel uh, I feel it's a bit disappointed that both of us can't make it over for this one. But it's going to be really exciting, really looking forward to it. We've got uh, Sean Pershwi, we've got uh, Robin Lord-Taylor, and we have Corey Michael-Smith, who I haven't actually met before. I've met the other two um, at Roundtables at New York Comic Con, and we've done our podcast, as you know, our interview with Sean Pershwi directly, which was great fun. So Yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to catching up with the two of them. And really, Corey Michael-Smith has been one of my favorite actors on the show since it began. I'm really looking forward to meeting him. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I met uh, Corey Michael-Smith and Robin Lord-Taylor together at New York Comic Con last year mm-hmm. uh, at, in 2015. So, yeah, you should have a ball, Jealous, jealous, jealous. <laughs> Should be great fun. Yeah, that kicks off uh, tonight at uh, about seven o'clock. So uh, I will probably be tweeting out tw- throughout the day, um, but I won't be obviously spoiling anything for anybody who hasn't seen the finale episode, uh, including John, who won't be able to see it till next uh, next week. Um, but we are also traveling over to the UK for uh, Black- to Blackpool for the Ultimates. Yeah, we will be rocking out in Blackpool with the uh, Star Fury Ultimates Convention, which has both Gotham and, of course, some other um, TV shows there as well. But from Gotham, it will be Selena Kyle, obviously played by Cameron Beacon Dover. Mm-hmm. There will be Butch Gilzean, oh, yes. played by Drew Powell. And, Butch of course, uh, Oswald Cobblepot, played by Robin Lord Taylor. Mm-hmm. All the... Um, enjoying the bracing seaside air of Blackpool. Um, no doubt we will have to take some Blackpool rock for them to sink their teeth into. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not sure whether I would uh, ever have that to anybody, but I'm looking forward to getting to Blackpool. It's uh, my first time. It's a Marmite seaside tan. I'd say you love it or you hate it. <laughs> and since I hate Marmite, uh, maybe not for me, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be good yeah, fun. Yeah, it'll be good fun. Yeah, and we're getting to meet some of the other Gothamites up there. We're getting to uh, get to catch up with some of our friends uh, who've been uh, listening to the show and following it for the last couple of years, which should be great fun. Uh, and loads of other Gothamites. There's uh, a couple of hundred people going, so uh, it'll be really exciting to get to meet all of them while we're up in Blackpool. Absolutely. So there is a lot of Gotham stuff going on in the next week. And of course, you can listen to all of that here on our podcast. Just go to gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, subscribe the leave a review, um, it'd be most appreciated. And of course, if you are not an iTunes person, you can go to any other good podcast catcher and just search and subscribe to Gotham TV Podcast. Of course, as well, we will be live tweeting final episodes of Gotham on our Twitter handle at Gotham TV Podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, any discussions about 
the episode you can do within our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast and join uh, ourselves and the, the rest of the Gotham community uh, on Facebook at the Gotham TV podcast group. Absolutely. And if you want to send any thoughts about any of the episodes, you can email us at feedback at Gotham TV podcast.com. And finally, the last way to get in contact with us, if you want to send some audio feedback to us, just go to our website, Gotham TV podcast.com and press the send voicemail button. Uh, you can record any of your thoughts about the episodes and we will share them on the show. Looking forward to it, I think. Uh, Absolutely. This is going to be a fun one to talk about, I think. Um, we are into the <laughs> penultimate episode of Gotham. Uh, tons going on this time, I think. Loads. I mean, really a lot going on. And again, I think something that Gotham does really well, all this kind of uh, massive mishmash and mix of, of, of different storylines, mm-hmm. different characters, um, absolutely frenetic as always. Yep. Um, but I think, Derek, what are some of the case notes for this episode <laughs> crazy crazy and fun really really crazy case notes yep. uh, so the episode was directed by rob bailey who's done two episodes of gotham before he did uh, the penguin's umbrella and knock knock two really good episodes of gotham yeah absolutely uh, and the episode was written by Jordan Harper, who's done three episodes of Gotham. He did the penultimate episode of season one, uh, The Anvil and the Hammer. Uh, he did Scarification and Ball of Mud and Meanness. <laughs> three of our favorite names mm. for episodes, I think, uh, for them so far in the season. Uh, really did a good job in this one as well. Do you want to tell us what he gave us, John? Certainly. Selena manages to pounce out of harm's way from the goddess Firefly, her former friend Bridget Pike, and uses all her cunning to remain safe as she becomes the goddess's devoted servant. Elsewhere in Arkham, Hugo Strange continues his reanimation project at odds with his secretive backers who believe he has lost sight of the real purpose of his research and they convene their court to close down the project. However, a successful subject is reanimated with her memories intact, reassuring the court about Strange's work. As Strange welcomes this familiar face of Fish Mooney back to Gotham, he is faced with other unwelcome guests at the gates of Arkham Asylum. Bruce and Lucius Fox, with a hidden Jim Gordon, arrive at Arkham to execute their plan to rescue Selina and to uncover the secrets of Arkham and Professor Strange. As Lucius tours Arkham and Bruce is invited to an audience with Strange, their motives are revealed and all three are captured. While Bruce and Lucius are interrogated by Enigma, Jim is subjected to a new experiment that has him seeing double. <laughs> what a great moment in this episode of Gotham. <laughs> really, Absolutely. That's some great stuff in there as well over, overall, that's a, but what a great cliffhanger ending for this episode. Yeah, really, really good. <laughs> proper Batman 66, I think. And actually proper comic, let's face it. Absolutely. Proper comic book um, storytelling here and and I mean in the best possible way um, just that whole thing going on the, the experimentation that Strange is doing to Jim Gordon mm-hmm. and then obviously to Boris Carlo mm. um, you know as well yes I'm sure that will be one of our points I think um, it might be but I think Derek what is your first point well, I've got to start right at the beginning because we had a big cliffhanger in last week's episode as well with Bridget Pike facing off against Selena Kyle. Uh, what a great little moment here. I love that uh, the camera doesn't actually show Selena escaping from from Bridget, but it's kind of to be thought that she is uh, dancing and prancing around like a cat, uh, jumping all over the place to avoid being burnt by Bridget. Uh, there is some great shots of Selena Kyle as she uh, swings around a pole and gets back down to the ground and climbs around all the catwalks around. It uh, really reminded me again of, uh, of Ar- the Arkham City games where you control um Selena Kyle's character Catwoman uh, as she pr- prances and prances around like a cat. I thought it was a really good uh, moment to show 
Selena getting away from Bridget. That was quite cool. But importantly, we have another member of uh, the Arkham Asylum inmates who has been imprinted with a new persona here with Bridget Pike. Really intriguing. I wonder if uh, if Professor Strange has been watching um, Game of Thrones, maybe. Since Bridget is now sacrificing her victims to the goddess of fire, saying that this is a purification of her victims. I think that's a really interesting idea, you know, very different for this character. She was, you know, she was a pretty private kind of girl who enjoyed the fire, uh, enjoyed that kind of element. She was a very nervous kind of character in the past. And now she feels really empowered by this uh, this new persona that she has. And that's really interesting to do for her. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she gets lit up herself by Selena and survives it both through a combination of of her new suit that she's got but also I wonder if um, she's got some kind of other sort of species DNA in her like mm-hmm. a lot of the other people here that is helping her resist being burnt I, I really liked how she kind of walked all fully alight after Selena set torched her basically yeah. and set her alight I loved how she kind of walks towards her and it all fizzles out really good and as you say the whole prancing and pouncing around the room as um, Bridget is firing her, her weapon. Really good. Yeah. I just thought it was really well shot. I really liked cool. it. I also uh, loved the, I also loved the line from Slater. Uh, looks like someone's really scrambled your eggs. <laughs> that was really Absolutely. good fun. Uh, but yeah, so no saving from Professor Strange here. Uh, he walked away and said, had fun there uh, to Firefly, um, you know, expecting her to kill Selena. And Selena's only way out here is once again to team up with the villain. Um, kind of seems to be Selena's kind of modus operandi to make sure that she serves herself and gets out of any situation she's willing to work with Bridget Pike um you can't you can't uh, you can't do this without having a servant essentially so uh, she becomes the servant of Firefly quite cool yeah I mean she uses all her cunning here to to really just get herself out of a difficult situation mm-hmm. and I mean that is perfect Selena Kyle mm-hmm. you know she really talks her way out of things she really is duplicitous and um, and really works the the audience so to speak as to to get out of sticky situations and I love that that's so true to her character definitely um, really good yeah definitely uh, John do you want to give us your first point I do I am going in with a biggie uh, we have talked about this a few times um, and we see here Hugo Strange's secret backers oh, yes. with a distinctive um, mask and the assembling of a court. And I think here we have, not I think, I know, we have the Court of Owls, oh, which yes. is hugely cool. Um, I mean, in many respects, it's something that we thought the Order of St. Dumas kind of had, they were a, a sort of court of, of some description kind of standing in for this. But um, from the graphic novels, the Court of Owls are this very, very secretive organization i mean hardly even known if at all um it's only their assassin talon that would come out to to get rid of anyone uh, that stands in their way but yes we have here this court revealed for the first time a woman with her voice modulated and then wearing the mask uh, which was so so cool so here we have hugo strange working for the court of owls mm-hmm. um and Yes, they weren't too pleased with his experiments running amok uh, in Gotham. They thought he had lost control. But ultimately, uh, the reanimation of Fish Mooney, um, which I'm sure will be another huge point for this episode, really persuaded them that um, 
his work was fine. And then they start to say to dismantle Indian Hill and move to upstate uh, to a new facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason they find that Fish Mooney's reanimation is so much more successful is because she remembers her previous history, her exactly. past. The memories are intact. Yes, absolutely. So this is uh, so for non-comic book readers. Uh, the Quarter Isles was created by Scott Snyder quite recently, actually, within the last four or five years. But effectively, the idea of them is that they've been behind everything for decades and centuries uh, in Gotham. They're the upper echelon of society within the city of Gotham, um, hidden completely, so nobody knows who the members are at all. Uh, very distinct uh, masks that they have on their face. You can tell the owl. Uh, one of the most interesting things about it was I read a, a great interview with Scott Snyder as he as he was talking about this and uh, creating these as villains and he was kind of going you know over the course of 75 years of history of Batman they've never had one big enemy of Batman and who's more of an enemy of the bats than owls are um, quite interesting that that had never been thought of before that had never been an owl type of enemy for the Batman so uh, quite cool that in obviously in the natural world they are enemies, um, you know. So, well, pre- yeah, pre- the owl is the big predator of, of the bats. Exactly. So, love this kind of idea. But uh, one of the elements of those uh, of, but one of the elements of the court of owls, obviously, as John mentioned, is the Talon, who's their assassin, who uh, who does get reincarnated with the memory of who to destroy, who his, who his targets are, effectively. So, even if he gets killed, he can be reanimated. There'll be another Talon who will come back. And carry on with the mission. So, uh, effectively, an, an unstoppable assassin who will always know uh, who his previous target was, even if he gets taken out. Quite cool, and love that they're bringing it into the show. Definitely, and I mean, it really is probably just an absolute flavor of the Court of Owls, and, and that this maybe really sets up some further influence then in, in season three. But mm-hmm. this is. I mean, so late in the day, this is really just a nice cheeky flavor being thrown in for the audience yeah. and for comic book readers and non-comic book readers alike. Just really nice little uh, nod here. But it's something that we had thought could be introduced in this show mm-hmm. that would really be a nice aspect to all the things going on um, against Bruce Wayne and at least his father and mother and, and involved in their murders absolutely what i kind of want though is that if they do get defeated in their plan i'm hoping that they just go back into hiding they're not fully defeated they're not fully found out because uh, they do play a big part later on in in batman uh, and you don't want these kind of characters to just go away completely but it's cool that they're being introduced they've been around for for centuries so they need to be somewhere in the city so i like the idea that they've been introduced this way what i also like about them is that they did call out Hugo Strange for doing some crazy things like releasing Barbecue back into the city, releasing Oswald Cobblepot back into the city, and obviously releasing Mayor Gallivan back into the city of Gotham. All of these things probably go quite contrary to the Court of Owls' plan. Uh, it's, he's shining a light on the, on what's going on in Indian Hill. Um, so they're obviously pretty unhappy with, uh, with Hugo Strange. Absolutely. Yeah. But that was my second point as well, um, so, the Court of Elves. Yeah. So, Derek, what's your third point? Um, my third point is the return of Fish Mooney. Come on. This is very, Absolutely. very cool. Um, we kind of had thought about it in, in season one after she'd been uh, unceremoniously knocked off the top of the roof um, by the new King of Gotham. Um, we'd thought about it, that she's going into the water of, uh, of the River of Gotham, so perhaps she's not even dead. Uh, it is confirmed here that she has died, um, which is the first time we've heard that comment information as such we always thought that maybe she just got swam out of the away water. like a fish exactly exactly um but they do confirm that that's what's happened to her she has uh, she has died they saved her they brought her back to um indian hill and they've now reincarnated her with 
Spli- slicing, slicing in some cuttlefish genes, which I thought was quite interesting because I know this is a really weird connection, but hey, uh, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, BD Wong was also in Jurassic World, John, and one of the big things that they did to the genetically modified dinosaur in there was splice in cuttlefish genes. Yes, I thought it, it was. was. I thought it was quite interesting that his character would be splicing in some cuttlefish genes in this episode as well. They have created uh, fish wrecks. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And the huge thing is now we also have a super-powered fish Mooney. She's able to control other people with just a touch. Uh, very interesting uh, that she did get to touch that guard and all she really got out of him was a cheese sandwich, which I thought was... She invented um, the most successful cheese toasted sandwich maker ever. <laughs> just touch your guard and tell him exactly what you want. Uh, quite cool. Uh, we do another show over on another podcast, uh, Defenders TV podcast. We cover um, we cover Jessica Jones on there, where which also has a character in it uh, called Kilgrave who can control people's minds. I wonder will they go down that path with Fish Money where she's able to control anybody around her. Uh, I wonder how much they'll use that ability to control things around her. What I really liked about this was, yes, it's super powered, but is it a new or is it an enhanced power? Mm. Because in season one, Fish Mooney's power was always one that she could really sort of lock into what people's motives and, and control them. That was kind of what was, that was the description of Fish Mooney. That's true. Um, that she could uh, be influential and really um, bend people to her will to follow her and to effectively control them through persuasion. And here we have now that this is a more direct form of that power. If she touches them and makes a request, there's some kind of glowiness that goes on. And then ping, you get a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> I mean, you get whatever she's requested. Um, <laughs> She'll just be asking everyone in Gotham for grilled cheese sandwiches. Right exactly. Now. That, so that, I really like this. Maybe actually we're overreading the power. Maybe that's all the power is. It's at, that she can get anybody to make her a grilled cheese sandwich. Maybe. <laughs> she can't ask for anything else. Only grilled <laughs> cheese sandwiches. But um, I love the fact that they've kind of taken that description from season one, which wasn't super powered in mm-hmm. any way. And now she's come through this uh, resurrection process and it is uh, an enhanced power or a superpower. So yeah. really cool. And it's great to see her back. In the first season, I think there was a lot of criticism of Jada Pinkett Smith's character because she was so over the top at times. She's a very, uh, she stood out quite significantly against characters like Moroni and Falcone. She stood out quite significantly against playing against them in season one. In this season, she's not going to stand out much at all. Um, you know, when you Absolutely. Have, when you have Oswald Cobblepot the way he is now, as opposed to season one. You've got Mr. Freeze. Behind the scenes a lot in season one. Yeah, you've got Mr. Freeze. You've got, uh, obviously, Enigma now coming to the fore. Um, a lot of characters are going to be playing off against her that now have much bigger personalities than they did in season one. So while she's going to stand out, don't get me wrong, Jada Pinkett Smith could not, couldn't not stand out uh, in a crowd of people. Um, she's not going to seem as unusual a character considering no. everything else that's going on. And she rocked a really good kind of cuttlefish-looking, kind of that silvery, shimmery suit as well. Yes, her so new it was really cool. Yeah, that was deadly. And did you notice the nails are back as well? They always say that after a person dies, the nails continue to grow. Yeah, she's definitely had someone taking care of those nails for her while she's been waiting to be reanimated. Most definitely. <laughs> and we've got the great blue eye as well mm-hmm. um, from the Dolmaca. Uh, so that's uh, still so really fantastic. Yeah. Welcome back, Jadis Pinkett Smith. Exactly. Uh, John, do you want to take us on to your next point? Yeah. And it's welcome to the new Clayface. Oh, yes. oh my goodness. I thought this was done 
really, really well. Again, I thought I understood that he had spliced uh, octopus DNA into uh, Boris Carlo. I mm-hmm. thought I caught that. I'm not entirely sure. I might be wrong, but I love that Clayface is born here again, resurrected being manipulated whilst in stasis and i just think a really good way of introducing a character that you kind of go well how are they going to do this and it's just got this kind of plasticky um stretchy um skin that can be molded to any description when you have then the the helmet and i loved that at the end it was just so very very cool it also contrasted nicely with fish mooney where she had her memories intact you see on the first introduction of Clayface, he's going, what happened to me? You know, he's screaming out, what has happened to me? Where have I been? Oh, the horror like, of his face is exactly. fantastic. Yeah. I love the eyes as well. The white with just the little black uh, dots uh, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Um, and again, just at the end where he turns into Jim's doppelganger through the, the helmet, um, you know, and it's just so fantastic. Absolutely. I really liked it. I just thought it was so great that, you know, just the voice so different from Jim, but um, he's there. And, of course, you have the, the seamless wig moment as well. <laughs> that, is, that is the first Batman 66 moment of the episode, I think. It was so, I couldn't stop so laughing. good. Um, <laughs> the absolute, you can't tell that there's been a switch whatsoever. <laughs> um, the most um, seamless of wig switches. Oh, that was hilarious. I really I really couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. It was brilliant. And I do feel sorry as well for, for poor Ben McKenzie, who obviously had his... Um, the, the skull cap on to, to sh- make him bald. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked like his forehead was about 30 centimeters high because you're obviously packing so much hair underneath the, <laughs> the skull cap. Um, but yeah, seamless transition. That's, there. that's our little egghead shout out. I it think, is. For, it really is. <laughs> for the episode. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I think they've, they've kept the character of Boris uh, quite close to the comic book version of Clayface, uh, that he is an actor and is, a very good actor, a very kind of um, able to manipulate himself into whatever part he's able to play. So uh, I like that they kept that part of his um, of his development as a character. I like that they kept that. Obviously, this is no connection to the creation of Clayface in the comic book. This is not created by Professor Strange. But I do like the touches and the little nods to uh, to the comic book version of the character. Definitely. So really looking forward to seeing how this plays out next episode. Uh, now that we have an evil Jim Gordon, uh, you know, really, really interesting idea. Uh, will anybody notice the difference? As the GCPD arrive, we're now going to have an evil Jim Gordon able to dissuade them from coming on the property. That's quite an interesting idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, will they be able to spot um, that there is this switch being done? Um, it certainly won't come from the wig. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that's quality. So do we have our Batman 66 moments as well? I think we do. Well, the other Batman 66 moment, that is definitely one of them with the wig. The other Batman 66 moment I want to actually give to Natalie, who sent in an email to us about this episode. And I really want to say she says it better than I would have. And I didn't want to steal the point from her because I think it's a really good one. Uh, she says, having grown up on Batman 66 reruns, I kept, I keep thinking it would be fun to mash up Gotham video clips with Batman 66 melodramatic narration, or at least something in that style. Style. Tonight ended on a mon- montage that was just begging for that voiceover. Bruce even finds himself in a prototypical Riddler death trap. How will our heroes save themselves or be saved? Stay tuned, Bat fans. Absolutely, Natalie. Really good catch. Definitely. The final couple of moments of this episode where you have all three of our heroes in peril. Uh, you have uh, Jim being confronted by Clayface. You have um, Lucius and Bruce 
now in a Riddler death trap. Uh, it really does beg that, you know, same time next week, same bad time, same bad channel, wasn't it? Was yeah, yeah. It, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good spot there, Natalie. Thank you. And thank you for giving me my next point. Good catch, Natalie. <laughs> And my next point is the Riddler trap. It's so cool to see Enigma now taking up the mantle here um, and catching Lucius Fox and uh, Turtleneck, I think he calls Bruce, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Wayne. Uh, a great little moment here where he's interrogating them on behalf of, of Hugo Strange. Uh, I actually thought he was trying to tell Hugo that he needed to be involved in the capture of Jim Gordon um, so that he could play them off against the GCPD. Quite cool that it's flipped on its head here. I wasn't expecting him to be the one in control of the mic uh, and in control of the ter- interrogation interrogation of Bruce Wayne but obviously he knows what's been going on with Bruce he knows the easiest way to get to the GCPD members like Harvey and like uh, like Jim is to go after Bruce Wayne um and he has a great moment of confrontation with Lucius Fox again uh, we noticed when they first met a couple episodes ago um Lucius was was instantly able to work out a riddle from uh, Enigma and there was a little moment shared between the two of them where he realized that Lucius is quite intelligent and once again he calls it out here and tells Lucius um, you've always been a smart one you realize what's going on very quickly uh, a nice little uh, moment of challenge between those two characters definitely this this was very cool um sort of being introduced in this way and again just classic Batman 66 as well as as Natalie's kind of mentioned here you know everyone um caught in a trap and how do they get out of this? You know, we I'm know. About to start singing now. Yeah, I know the GCPD strike forces on its way. Um, it's rushing to to Arkham, but we have uh, Lucius and Bruce really trying to get their way out of there, and we have Jim now suddenly being faced with his doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Um, so fantastic! Can't wait to see what happens. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, it's the uh, confrontation between Bruce and Hugo Strange in oh, his yes. office in Arkham. Mm. Again, I just thought this was absolutely standout. I mean, David Mazous here, again, just showing how fantastic he is playing the young Bruce Wayne and how he's able to capture that angst, that anger, um, that kind of battle between what he is to become in Batman and still really wanting to get some kind of vengeance. I mean, as he's taken out of the um, the office, as, as Hugo Strange springs his trap that captures all three of them that have infiltrated into Arkham, that kind of sort of attempt by Bruce to sort of get looser from the, the uh, prison warden, from the prison guards, mm-hmm. and, and go after him, just really good, the, the kind of pent-up anger. I just thought is captured so well by uh, David Mazous and I think just the cool calm collected um tones of uh, BD Wong's Hugo Strange is fantastic and I loved just how he really uh, seems to miss uh Thomas Wayne there's a really great line that he he uses where he goes, I like him, referring to Bruce Wayne. Uh, he reminds me of Thomas, who I miss. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, ironically, I think he finishes it off with. But I, I love this idea that actually Hugo Strange maybe isn't entirely bad. He was trying to warn Thomas off mm. from going down that route because he knew who his secretive backers were. And he does the same here. And he goes that it was... Thomas's actions that fired the bullet that killed him. Yeah. You know, a really difficult message for Bruce to kind of consume. And, you know, he's talking about that 
Thomas has this moral certainty, whereas Hugo deals with sort of the objective scientific rationale and is able to modify his views depending on the evidence and the data. Yeah. Whereas he goes, that was the difference between the two of them. And so Thomas maintained um, his path on this moral crusade that ultimately ended off getting him killed. Absolutely. And I think it's just a fantastic um, scene. I love the idea as well that Strange knows why Bruce is there. Mm-hmm. All this pretense at the the door of Arkham as he welcomes Lucius and, and Bruce in is absolutely stripped back immediately when they're sat down in his office and he's pouring out the tea, um, you know, and he pleads with Bruce to make the choice that his father didn't yeah. because otherwise he will end up um, going uh, down the same type of route, ultimately leading to his death. And yeah. this was really, I thought, a fantastic, fantastic scene. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of my points as well. I love the response from Bruce, effectively, that my father fought and died for what he believed in, and I will do the same. Um, Really nice idea here. We see it a little bit earlier on with the Alfred scene, Alfred and Bruce talking, um, where effectively Alfred just kind of goes, well, I've been trying to keep you safe for the last two years. Uh, That's not what Thomas would have wanted for you. You're a different person than you were when he left you behind, crying effectively and screaming in the street. Uh, You're a different person, a stronger person. What Thomas would have wanted for you was to fight for what you believe in and now i'm going to support you in that and so that's kind of a great way in this episode they show the growth of bruce wayne really really great moments and and to your point about hugo strange i like that he is he's able to justify why he is the way he is and why he's done what he's done in he is is kind of admitting here that he's the one behind the death of thomas wayne Uh, he never actually says it he says what i will admit is i tried to warn him off and by your father stopping or not stopping his investigation uh, he got himself killed and so that's what he's kind of saying here he's not saying that he pulled the trigger or hired the people to kill him or even saying that the court of owls did it he's saying that if he had listened thomas wouldn't be dead and so he knows I don't know whether he even knows who actually was that killed him. I presume he does, but he hasn't actually said who it is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Again, the mystery continues mm-hmm. in that sense. Probably more than likely Court of Owls. Um, yeah. You know, sending someone out to uh, attack Thomas and Martha Wayne. That's right. Could it have been Talon? You know, is it actually that great assassin? Rather than Matches Malone, who mm-hmm. Bruce met, you know, in one of the of the earlier episodes. So this is really, really intriguing now as to, you know, does the Court of Owls take responsibility uh, for sending an assassin to attack Thomas and Martha? Presumably, given they are so instrumental in this experimentation that Thomas Wayne seemed to be um, reneging against and trying to prevent uh, in, in uh, his own company, yeah. in Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but another great scene. Definitely really, really enjoyed it. I can't remember whether, we, whether we're on point four or five here, but my next point anyway is uh, about Harvey Bullock, Bullock being acting captain of the GCPD. A fantastic moment. Uh, looking for Bullockisms is not difficult in this episode, really. Um, he just has a great way about him. I love how how absolutely uncomfortable he is in the role when asked the question um, from the 
press saying, how long are you going to be captain of the GCPD? He says, literally until anyone else wants to do the job. Yeah. <laughs> and a great little moment with, uh, with Harvey. Um, and, and the meat dust uh, one as well. It would be difficult to identify whether it was Theo Gallivan or mm-hmm. not since he's meat dust. Absolutely. The man quality. is now meat dust, so positive ID is impossible. That's <laughs> the other line, yeah. Uh, it's a great moment in here. And again, you can tell there's a very different style about Harvey Bullock uh, where effectively he goes, uh, I'm the captain of the GCPD when they're going into to Arkham Asylum and the captain of the GCPD I can go in much much better than just me and you Alfred we can tool up the entire team so every single cop is now geared up with guns to go in for the final showdown in Arkham next week yeah that was one of my points the the interaction between Harvey and Alfred you know Alfred's concerned that the the three of them have gone off into Arkham and whether they'll be safe and he goes grab your gun your badge and your bits and bobs um, (laughs) so that they can go and rescue him and yeah you get the sort of the call to arms from from uh, Harvey Bullock say, well, I can get the entire strike force involved here. Um, really, really good, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, There's been many discussions about will there be a spin-off from Gotham, and I would love to see an Alfred and Harvey Bullock spin-off show where the two of them are, are detectives or, uh, you know, are they're, they're PIs on their own while Bruce goes off to train as Batman, maybe. Um, they just they just work so well together. I love Donald Logue and uh, Sean Pertwee, obviously, and I love their interplay as characters. I just don't get enough screen time together so it's great to see the two of them back uh, back together this time definitely uh, john do you want to give us your last point yep it is um i don't know whether we've heard the name before but miss peabody gets her first name she does, yes. um, ethel mm-hmm. indeed and it's just simply that um i absolutely love miss peabody um she is a fantastic sidekick for Hugo Strange. I just loved how dismissive and sneering she is to Lucius Fox um, while she's taking him round the 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 uh, asylum. I love how she is so sort of dismissive of Enigma. She holds no one in any great regard, and even. Hugo Strange she doesn't she is always willing to question his actions Mm -hmm. and I think that's what makes them such a fantastic team and we find out that it's Miss E Peabody Miss Ethel Peabody so it's great to get her first name it really adds that extra layer I know it sounds strange to her character just to know that she's an Ethel Um, (laughs) it's perfect and um, really good to see her again in such fine fettle um in, in this episode of Gotham. Yeah, it's great to see her with Lucius and him getting some stuff to do in the episode. Really, really good having him uh, walk around with what is probably a proto-back gadget, uh, the the little pocket Geiger counter that's quite cool, little, uh, as I say, proto-back gadget. Um, yeah, I love Tanya Pinkins in this show. I really think she's done a great job, a really great addition to the, to the show in Gotham. So, Derek, do you have any notes for this episode? Yeah, I think that's all the points overall done. A um, couple of little notes. I love that Jim uses his old Arkham ID from when he was a, an Arkham yeah, security guard. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, there's no kind of attention paid to it. You doesn't have a moment where he says to the team, and I can get in by using my old Arkham ID badge. You know, it's just a nice little touch for the longer term viewers. But I wonder how well it worked, since the security guy did seem to look around after him once Jim had walked into mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum. It was like... I know you. (laughs) This place isn't that big, (laughs) but it was a nice little touch. It Um, was. I also love that we have a little appearance from uh, from Ivy Pepper. Um, Very cool to have her back in the episode, Claire Foley, uh, because 
I've always said, even though we don't get as much of uh, Poison Ivy or Ivy Pepper in the show as uh, a character like Selena Kyle, it's nice to know that she's around the city so that we just get a little ton of touches because it just makes the city feel more alive when you have characters that just pop in for a scene here or there just to show that they are living in a city where you can just bump into anybody any day. But what I do like about it is that she channels her inner Gandalf uh, with with the scene uh, taken directly from Lord of the Rings where she says, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm not late. Uh, nice <laughs> Yeah. touch there um john do you have any notes about the episode yeah i've got a couple of notes uh one is for the um a very long um previously on gotham introduction to to this episode mm-hmm. um it really did um bring together an awful lot of strands and i think that showed in the previously on gotham uh intro an awful lot going back a long way into season two so that was really cool we also have the lovely scene between um, Enigma and Mr. Sturk uh, mm. in the cell where he's got his gnashes on and he's just at um, just tied up enough so that he backs Ed into the corner and Ed's like screaming away uh, whilst he's trying to negotiate to help um, Hugo Strange and Miss Peabody to uh, capture Jim Gordon. So mm-hmm. I, I really, really like this um, fantastic little moment there. I wonder if we'll see any of Mr. Sturk uh, again. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking up uh, who it is uh, the character could possibly be in the comic books. There is a uh, super villain called Cornelius Sturk, uh, Mr. Cornelius Sturk, who, who rules by fear. Quite similar to uh, Scarecrow, he's able to use uh, hormones and pheromones to inject fear in this case, he probably just uses his big pointy teeth to instill fear in his, uh, in his victims. And his sizable frame, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, very cool. Great to have Fish Mooney back. Great to have Clayface in there, Mr. Stirk. So much going on in this episode. Loads going on. And great, great cliffhanger for the final episode, which I get to see tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you lucky, lucky duck. All right. Uh, John, overall, what do you think of the episode? Really good. Again, um, th- this lead into the, the final episode is really um, just so good. I mean, mm. I-, I would definitely give this four uh, grilled cheese sandwiches out of five. <laughs> um, this was so many, like Clayface being introduced, Fish Mooney returning. Mm-hmm. You've got that great scene between Bruce and, and Hugo Strange. You've got um, Captain Harvey Bullock stepping up, sending in Strike Squad, the interaction with him and Alfred. And just seeing Firefly back, that that whole uh, scene where Selena's trying to escape from it, really, really good. And you get to top it all off, the Court of Owls um, being introduced as well. Absolutely. That's a huge thing. Really good, really good episode. Loved yeah, it. definitely. I'd probably go almost to the level of four and a half <gasps> wigs out of five. Seamless wigs. <laughs> Seamless wigs. Um, yeah, great to see uh, these characters back. I think it's actually, just a quick correction for our podcast earlier on, I think it's actually Bas- Basil Carlo in the show. It's Boris in the comic books, um, Just which is probably why I've got the confusion there, but it is, I think, Basil in the in the show. Um, so really interesting to see these characters in here. Great to get more villains in from the comic books in really interesting ways here that can be that can be used um differently to the comic books as we've seen in the show but really interesting to see these characters back and seeing a super powered fish mooney is uh, really intriguing very intriguing yes hopefully we'll see more of her in the, in the final episode uh, which we'll be talking about next week
I know. I can't believe it. It's, uh, it seems such a long time since we did the first few, uh, following, um, New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And we'd managed to see some of the first few episodes whilst we we're over in, in the US. That's right. Um, and then really pick it up, uh, once it started on Channel 5 uh, in January. So, uh, we've been going a long time now with, with Gotham, uh, this year. So, um, yeah, can't wait for the, the finale. See what, um, surprises and delights will take place yeah totally agree really really excited to see what's going to happen in the finale episode mm-hmm. uh, obviously make sure you join us for our podcast about that if you're not subscribed to the podcast you can subscribe on itunes just by going through gothamtvpodcast.com slash itunes or pop onto any good podcast catcher beyond pod podcast addicts stitcher any podcast catcher that has the ability to find podcasts and just search for gotham tv podcast I think with that, onto the feedback. Remember, as always, you can send in feedback at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can also leave us a voice message mm-hmm. if you want to leave feedback for that way. 90 seconds only, please. But you can have your uh, dulcet tones also uh, on our podcast and provide feedback uh, that way as well. Just go to our website gothamtvpodcast.com and you'll see on the right side a little tab where you can leave your voicemail. So we have some feedback from Natalie, and she goes, I like how Lucius is just as committed to the cause as the others are, in his own way. He's he's the suit. He's Bruce's inside man at Wayne Enterprises, tech genius, and all-around smart man. He makes a great third mentor for future Batman, Mm -hmm. not just because he knew the real Thomas Wayne, but also on his own merits. Absolutely. Um, I think still one of my favorite scenes of this season is between uh, Lucius and Alfred at the bar. I think it's probably episode five or six or something around there. It's certainly in the first half of the season and quite early on in that, maybe midway through. Mm. Really good. And I completely agree. It's great to see uh, Lucius as this third mentor in, in Bruce's life. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Really good to see that, that, that character coming to life in the show. And again, you know, being the creator of, of a gadget for the episode, um, and he, and being involved in Team Good Guys. So we saw the first real meeting of all four, all four members of Team Good Guys with Jim, Alfred, Lucius, and Bruce in the same room uh, after Alfred berates Bruce for, uh, for getting Selena involved in that, which we didn't really talk about in the episode, but a great moment when Alfred gets really angry with Bruce for, I don't really mind what you do, I'll back you in it, but getting a young girl involved in it um, and pushing her into this situation where she's now been captured and her life is now threatened uh, is unacceptable. Um, Really, really good. Enjoyed that. Definitely. Natalie also goes on to say, Jim obviously is elsewhere. Um, he's been separated from uh, Bruce and Lucius and is facing off against yet another of Hugo's victims. Um, she goes, a budget-friendly version of Clayface. Uh, Hugo literally makes a mold of Jim's head and uses it on his rubber face minion to make Jim Gordon's doppelganger. Uh, too bad there's only one episode. Um, you know, it may lead to a busy finale, uh, Natalie goes on to say. Um, but she does say, I do appreciate the stab at plausibility and realism or at least some rules to Clayface and the rest of Strange's creations absolutely I think they've really taken a good uh, path for introducing Clayface and, and what he can do I think at this stage you could maybe even say this is the first stab at Clayface you know he has a different name so maybe instead of uh, Basil Basil will die and mm-hmm. we will get Boris I, I don't know whether maybe. they intend on being the same person but maybe this is the the versions of, of some of these 
big um, villains for Batman, that this is, you know, version 1.0 of Clayface. And I think absolutely, they really, uh, I, I think, got a, a, a nice balance here for Clayface. It's a character that could really have proven to be sort of difficult to introduce here, but I, I think they, they, they've they made it plausible, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, thanks very much for that feedback, Natalie. Really good to hear from you. Our next email comes from Claire Payne, who was chatting with us on Twitter last night during yeah. our live tweet, um, but covers a lot of the, a lot of really good points in the email to us. Um, she was talking about Fish Mooney and says, I feel for myself to remain neutral about the return of Fish Mooney. It was really good to see her back in this episode. I don't want to build myself up too much and be disappointed, but this is a big but. The Gotham writers have proved time and time again this season where the stories of the characters are going. I'm more than sure Fish will be around for season three and will have an excellent reason for her return. I'm hoping for an interesting interaction with Miss Peabody. And of course, I'm sure she'll bump into Oswald and Butch. The Cuttlefish DNA was very different. By the way Fish touched people, she seemed to release a toxin to enable to control people. Uh, well, change her food order so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I really hope she uh, makes it through into season three as well, to be honest. Um, I think this new rebooted Fish Mooney with echoes of her former life and her memories intact. I think it's a really interesting um, idea and it would be fantastic uh, to move her through into season three. I think as well, she is the one thing that connects with the Court of Owls and, and Hugo Strange. So maybe she is a prize worth holding on to for these groups within the story. Yeah, so uh, that may allow her to be, um, again, back in and central for season three. I certainly hope so. Absolutely. Let's just hope that Butch isn't carrying his uh, his brand new rocket launcher uh, when he meets up with Fish again, because he might be, uh, he might take her out uh, if, if he's lost the love or if he's on Oswald's side. Um, Claire goes on to say, Selena didn't get roasted by Firefly. Selena's interaction with Bridget from start to finish was fantastic, with a few attempts trying to get Bridget to remember their friendship. Unfortunate for Selena, all Firefly remembers is Brother Joe burned the best. With some clever quick thinking, Selena becomes a servant to the goddess of fire. I really liked how they slightly changed Bridget's voice and have given her amber-coloured eyes. Definitely. Um, Bridget is a very much changed person looking at this. Um, but it'd be interesting how Selena gets herself out of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure she will definitely. Absolutely. As long as yeah. she's, as long as she's able to stay alive and keep herself alive, she'll definitely get out of these situations. Um, Claire goes on to say Bruce's day got worse with Ivy asking him what's wrong with his face and then being severely told off by Alfred for putting Selena in danger. Alfred chose his authority as his guardian in reminding Master B that Selena is still a girl that has shown in great loyalty. Alfred, Alfred using the disappointed word really made Bruce understand what he asked Selena to do and goodness knows what the consequences of his actions were. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we've all been in that situation where our parents or a teacher has, has said to us, really disappointed in you. And it's the one moment where your heart, your, your heart kind of breaks when they say that yeah. to you for the first time. The shatter of glass exactly it's just a sad little moment but a great uh, a great use of it there with alfred and claire says the alfred bruce relationship has matured brilliantly you can really feel their mutual respect for each other bruce was the core of so many great scenes in this episode professor strange really showed his layers not only proving he is crazy scientist but it, there is a layer of evil in using the words your father's actions fired the bullet that killed him and your mother incredibly chilling good to see lucius fox joining in to see what is happening below arkham i really like the way he worked out it was nigma playing sinister game show host also, little bits of technology are appearing, and he's in the know in what chemicals Strange must be using to bring people back from the dead. 
Yep, Captain Harvey Bullock is definitely proving himself as a really good captain. I like the way near the beginning of the episode he knew he just could not go and arrest Strange. He had no evidence. Seeing the officer all lined up at the end with Alfred was brilliant. Gotham really do put together great escape squads. Yeah, totally agree with that. Love Captain Harvey Bullock. I yeah, hope he's, uh, really cool. I cool hope, scene. I hope he's uncomfortably in that position for quite a long time. <laughs> um and finally, Claire says, I didn't expect to see two Jim Gordons by the end of the episode. Basil certainly had the stretchiest skin I've ever seen. <laughs> really clever how we saw the process of Basil's face become fake Jim. I really like the way he repeated everything Jim said so he could copy his voice. I don't know a lot about Clayface. He's certainly interesting and very unusual. Yeah, Clayface in the uh, comic books is really, you tend to find... He's used as a bit of a twist. And I remember having a particular issue of um, one of the comic books that we were covering really early on, uh, which kind of was ruined because of the appearance of Clayface, where uh, there was supposed to be a big twist in a major character. And after a very long period of time in the comic book, probably, you know, six or seven issues, suddenly it was revealed that it was Clayface impersonating that character. And it was kind of one of those ones where Clayface, unfortunately, can be used really well in comic books because he can infiltrate places. He can be used um, in those for those kind of moments uh, to to kind of get into places he wouldn't necessarily be able to. Like in, in the show, they're going to be using him. Um, but, you know, up front it's Clayface. But sometimes in comic books, it's kind of an easy way out. It's basically they go... Oh, well, he's just being impersonated by Clayface. That's not the real character. Uh, they've done it a few times in, in the comic books before. Um, so I'm happy that they're using it this way, that we're getting to see him transformed into Jim Gordon uh, in the TV show. So hopefully this isn't going to be one of these get-out clauses that the Gotham writers are going to use to get themselves out of situations when they've written the character doing something differently. Suddenly they go, oh, it's Clayface. <laughs> Don't worry about that last two years of, of what happened to that character. Uh, but thanks so much for that feedback, Claire. Really good to uh, hear from it. Uh, just one other point she makes is really looking forward to finding out more about the Court of Owls and the direction of this going into season three. Yeah, and Claire just says one thing I'm 100% positive on. I can't wait to see the season finale. Um, and she also says to have a fantastic time in Blackpool. So thank you, Claire, very much for the feedback and for the uh, best wishes for Blackpool. Uh, we certainly can't wait. Um, and then I think we have some feedback from facebook jason wiley says uh yeah it's finally happening uh, in respect of the court of owls way back when bruce was talking to silver and mentioned owls you knew they would crop up down the line um and also jason goes on to say and the talons are essential for season three if obviously the court of owls are, are going to be uh, in play yeah, definitely. I think uh, Bruce was asked by Silver what his, his favorite animal is, and he says that it was it was an owl, which is the natural predator of the bat. So uh, quite interesting to think that they probably won't remain his favorite, um, his his favorite animal in future after his encounters with uh, with owls. But maybe the this is the reason why he might know how to beat them. Maybe he knows everything about owls like you would if they were your favorite animal. So that's true. Uh, that is true. Richard Blaze on Facebook says, I thought tonight's episode was great. Loving how all the villains are coming together in Arkham. The scenes between Hugo and Bruce genuinely gave me shivers and made me shed a tear. They were that emotionally charged. Mm. Clayface looks like he could be interesting, especially if he parades around as Jim. I'm liking the fact that the fish is back and the appearance of the Court of Owls made me giddy with excitement. Setting them up well now can give them a big say in season three whilst linking them back to all that happened in season one. Absolutely. Um, again, Court of Owls is something we have been um, 
peppering our podcast with certainly with some of the references that have gone on and mm. um, really good to see um what happens there and i think yeah they must be the big bad in in season three and um, certainly yeah. uh the um exchange between strange and bruce was just so powerful so good i mean even hints of hugo strange being slightly sympathetic actually and yeah. um, as well as just being evil incarnate and um, th- there's a bit of both there going on and um, and of course clayface will be interesting to see how he works out definitely i suppose the good thing about strange and as we mentioned on the podcast is that now he's becoming a villain that you can kind of get alongside you know he's just able to justify his own motivations which is what makes a good villain always is someone that believes they're in the right and they're doing the right thing i like how they've written him in here and yeah i think right back to when we first met we first met uh, Danny Cannon back in uh, back at New York Comic Con on the first year we were at we were at New York Comic Con. He was already teasing that we would eventually see the Court of Owls in the show. So that's what three years ago now. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, so he's he's been this has always been on the plan. I'm really excited to see what happens uh, in season three with these characters. I don't expect to see much more of them next week. Maybe another little brief moment with them but uh, hopefully we'll get to see a lot more in season three it's great to see the setup at least yeah they certainly could be um the slow burn a bit like with ed nigma transforming into dark nigma uh, and the riddler mm-hmm. and finally we have some uh some quick notes from twitter from last night uh, a lot of discussion there some from richard blaze and some from uh from claire Payne. uh but we also got some comments from tom calderon who says uh, all outward appearances suggest fish is well for someone who was just reanimated yeah as i said she must have been spending a bit of a weekend in the spa just before coming back yeah that that stasis tank has done wonders for her absolutely uh lisa mcginnis says ed looks like he's having way too much fun with bruce and lucius yeah definitely d- totally as claire said uh the the crazy game show host he's really really enjoying that that moment and i think there's a lot of hints there of stuff that uh stuff that the riddler does in future yeah claire Payne asks does professor strange see his subjects as children and don replied of course he's the creator they're his children perfectly frankenstein yes it has so many um hints to frankenstein it's so good absolutely Um, really good yeah Um, and dawn also then goes on to say that grilled cheese sandwiches sure are the preferred food for gotham villains yes tasty yep slightly burnt around the edges Yes, but the Penguin and Fish Mooney, they seem to love their cheese sandwiches. Yeah, nothing better than a good old grilled cheese sarni. Mm-hmm. Oswald usually has them directly after a murder, though. Uh, not so with fish. <laughs> and I think with that, it is uh, that's the end of the feedback. Yeah, I think I'm running off to catch my flight now. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Really good to hear all the feedback that we've had uh, over the last 21 episodes totally, but uh, particularly for this episode, really good to hear from all of you. Yeah, remember, um, you can listen to us on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Uh, you can listen to them even when you're in the air then, once they're downloaded <laughs> onto your phone. You can fly anywhere in the world listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Isn't that right, Derek? It certainly is. Hopefully I'll see some of you in London and maybe even some other listeners up in Blackpool. We really got to catch yeah, up Yeah, it would be great to have a... Um, yeah, it would be great to meet some of our friends over in Blackpool for the Star Fury Ultimates convention. And so I think with that, it's for Derek to rush off in the taxi to uh-huh. catch his flight and for me to say thank you so much for, for listening. Um, as always, a pleasure. And um, we will speak with you next time. Absolutely. Talk to you next week. Bye.
for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.